Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good, because He is faithful and good. Think about it, 2020 has turned many of our lives upside down, so who couldn't use a major dose of hope? I'd like to ask you to share this podcast with friends or on your social media outlets and perhaps review it on Apple so others will find this podcast easily. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and sprinkled in along the way will be additional Romans 828 stories from our She Writes for Him bootcamp graduates and others the Lord brings my way. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast, the first show for the month of December in this crazy year of 2020. And I am here today with the amazing Sherry Keggy. You are going to enjoy this time with her to get to know her and hear her story I want to share that conversation from a few days ago, but first, let me give her a proper introduction. Recognized as a mainstay in Christian music for over 25 years, Sherry has released nine albums, garnering nine number one songs, three Dove Award nominations, and a Dove Award win. A frequent blogger, she is also a contributing author to many books, including the Redemption Press She Writes for Him series, I am proud to say. It is her mission to share Christ, ministering His message of hope and healing through song, speech, and the written word. So here are some little-known facts about my friend Sherry. She loves raisinets and junior mints. She did not start drinking coffee until age 50, She started piano lessons at age seven, and get this, she and her sister share the same birthday only two years apart. That's crazy. She is a pretty good dancer. Zumba is her favorite form of exercise. I second that. And she was a first class Girl Scout. So you are really going to enjoy this time that I got to spend with Sherry. I am excited to introduce you all to her. So let's get started. All right. Well, I have been so looking forward to our time together, Sherry. It is just great to have you on the All Things Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Well, you know... I've got a whole bunch of questions for you that I just think will be so helpful to our listeners. But before we jump into those, I would love for you to just share with those who are listening some insight, a Romans 828 moment in your life. I mean, I know we've all got lots of them, but I just love for us all to hear one that really introduces us to how God has worked in your life. Well, thanks for the opportunity. You know, God is, he's a faithful God. And there was many, many years, years of struggle in my own life, personal pain from my marriage that I navigated as best I could with the Lord, with mentors, with wise counsel, and through the word of God, clinging to his promises, believing for healing for a a very broken marriage. And Sadly, that marriage ended in divorce, and this was in 2010. And through that, God taught me so much. First, I learned dependency on him. I learned that he was my true anchor. I learned that he is a God who, as it says in Isaiah 61, 3, he gives us a crown of beauty for ashes. Mm. And we don't always, we can't always see the hope and the promise of that when we're in the middle of the ashes when our life is in ruins and upheaval, as I felt that mine was at that time, basically a a 22 year marriage to my high 
school sweetheart ending in divorce, you know, having to do a short sale on a house that we'd lived in as a family for many years, facing the sudden death of my grandmother, followed by my grandfather in a short period of time, all kinds of changes and upheaval. And yet God spoke and ministered to me so strongly through a service that I attended at church and through a sermon. And essentially, it was about the three things we need to survive. We need air, food, and water, essentially. Well, air, food, water being sustenance, and three, God's presence. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, as my world was falling apart, I knew that in Christ, I had all three of those. That I had, there was a lot I didn't know. Was God going to heal the marriage? Where was I going to live? What what was going to happen music ministry-wise? All of those unknowns. But I had the known factor and the most important factor, and that was that Christ was my foundation. And I knew that the God who sees saw me. And so from that, he prompted me to write new music that was born out of that pain, but full of the hope and healing that comes from Christ when we earnestly seek him and we earnestly desire that healing. That's what took place in my life. And the Lord brought a a new man in, in my life. And we are coming up on four years of marriage now. And so there is an example of how God brings beauty from ashes, how he's the God of second chances and, you know, how we can, you know, be, be for many, many years in a winter season, what feels like always winter, never Christmas, you know, Yeah. (laughs) to quote C.S. Lewis, but that God is one who brings those spring seasons and we're all the more grateful and transformed when we cling to him in the winter seasons, you know? Mm. So I'm in a spring season of sorts with my new husband. I like to say that I've loved a carpenter, Jesus with a capital C uh, for many years. And God brought me a carpenter with a little C as a husband, as an earth husband, as though I was married to my heavenly husband. And Jesus was such a good, faithful and true husband in those single years. But now he's seen fit to give me an earth husband, and I'm so grateful. And there's my 828 (laughs) story. I love that. And I'm sure during that entire whatever six years, five or six years, that was that winter season that never seemed to end, that was just a time of refining you and teaching you so I mean all the things as you look back at it you go wow he really was preparing me for the good that he wanted to bring mm-hmm. but he doesn't always just do it like when we want him to do it right and looking back you know I see that all those years of, of pain and hardship from significant hurts in my first marriage you know no one wants to go back and do it again I wouldn't say that but I do so cherish the intimacy and the closeness that I have with the Lord because he was so present with me. It's almost whatever is the depth of our needs is the depth at which he meets us, you know, with his sufficiency. And I discovered the all sufficiency of Christ. And I'm so grateful, you know, looking back for those years of struggle because I came to love him and cherish his word like I never had before. You know, you move from being a baby Christian and, well, I need to spend a certain amount of time praying and I need to read my Bible every day, you know, kind of like a legalistic sort of checklist. Well, you just burst right through that when you're desperate enough and you just grow in your love for God's word because you recognize so much your need for his promises, you know, and his the the not only the salvation and the redemption that he offers, but the restoration that he can bring to a life that's been humbled. So thank the Lord. Amen. I love that. I love that. Now I wanted you to be kind of one of my featured interviews at the very beginning of December, because the holidays tend to bring triggers, they bring memories, sometimes good memories, sometimes bad memories. And then, you know, there's just so much emotion with the holidays, and especially when we're hurting. And so I wanted because you've gone through this experience with your father, 
And when I heard you share it at the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, I was just so moved because, you know, how many people go through that experience and never process the pain? And I just heard in you that growth that came from you really starting to process and, and, and getting your arms around even something as horrible as a loved one taking their life. Mm-hmm. So let's just start out with you describing the night when you first learned that your father took his life. This has been now just a little over two years ago, and I live in Tennessee. And that night, my sister, who lived in California at the time, called me, and it was early on a Sunday evening, and she said, are you home? And I said, yes. And she just said, and there's no easy way to say it, Athena. She just said, dad's dead. He shot himself in the backyard. And I just could hardly believe what I was hearing. And, you know, it was one of those just you like a moment frozen in time, you might say. And after after we talked and I talked with my mom, you know, of course, I was just crying and reeling and rocking and just in disbelief. And, you know, my dad was a retired deputy sheriff. He still had a gun in the home, but it never did in. Did we ever, ever, ever think that he might use it on himself? He was facing some health concerns. He was a very, you know, active, physically active and healthy man. His passions traveling the world, backpacking, rock climbing, cycling, you know, he was just a love of the outdoors, all that and so capable physically. So I think it was really rocking his world to be facing now some health challenges and got sick on a trip, had to abort his trip early and come home and was in and out of the hospital. And he did at one point express to me battling a little depression. And, you know, we were very close, dad and I, and we would talk about, you know, we were able to share honestly with one another. And we talk about our faith and our struggles and so forth. And so he had shared that some number of weeks prior, but I didn't, I didn't know maybe the extent of it. Also, he had stopped going to the gym. This was something he did faithfully. You know, and at some point he had expressed, well, you know, why bother kind of thing. <laughs> so anyway, but that night I I tried to sleep, couldn't, got up in the middle of the night. And the the words from the Psalms came to me as a comfort that precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. And that is, I can give you the reference. It's Psalm 116, 15. And I had that memorized and I, I just kept repeating that. And I kept saying, Lord, please take care of my daddy tonight. Please take care of my daddy tonight. Mm -hmm. But that verse, it's such a mysterious verse, precious in the sight of the Lord, that is the death of the saints. And I, I was thinking, gosh, is it, is it possible that my dad's death, that because my dad was a believer, you know, is it possible that the Lord is rejoicing upon receiving him, you know, not perhaps in the way that he took his life, that the choice that he made in a moment of despair or that kind of thing. But it was just a mystery to wrap my mind around. But nonetheless, the verse comforted me. And, you know, after telling my children, my two adult children, my son and my daughter, the news, I soon was on like the next day on a plane to California to be with mom. Mm. Mm. Now, I would guess, knowing our enemy, that the flaming darts that came at you as you began to, you know, walk through those early days were, well, you should have seen it. You know, why didn't you catch it? If, what if, what if, should have, could have, you know, all of those kind of feeling survivor's guilt or tell us how, how you walk through that and, and the kinds of, because I think the way the, the enemy lies to us in very similar ways. And I, I would love to hear kind of how, how that thought process went and, and the thoughts that you had to kind of stand against. Yes. Well, I think 
you know, you, you do, you go back in your mind and you, you recount conversations. And I recalled a phone conversation that I had with dad maybe a couple weeks prior. And he in California, me in Tennessee, he was updating me about what the doctors were saying and not knowing would he be facing a liver transplant or not. He was jaundiced. There was, you know, they were trying to get his Billy Rubin count in play. We were all telling him, dad, you got to drink water, you know, all this stuff. But I, I think in some ways, maybe God protected me from like the attack of Satan that you're describing, because I, I'm, I look back and I'm grateful for the conversation that we had. And that was dad. I, I said to dad, you know, we don't know how long you have that, but because we are in Christ, we know our destination is secure. And dad, as I said, was a world traveler. And I said, you know, it could be that because he was coming to terms with realizing he may, he might not be able to travel and do these things, these passions that he had. And I said, it could be dad, that your next big adventure is going to be heaven. You know, I mean, your next great big trip is heaven. And we sort of were able to laugh and see the humor in that. But in, in that conversation, I believe that it went from a conversation between a daughter and her daddy to a conversation between two believers, a brother and sister in Christ. Mm. We were able to, it's like we had a moment of coming together and celebration at the thought that yes, because we are in Christ, it's okay. God knows the number of our days and we don't need to fear. We don't, you know, our destination is secure and we, our relationship is not just temporary here this earthly relationship our relationship in Christ is eternal so in in some ways you know I've said goodbye to my dad and wrote him a a completion letter through some grief counseling that I entered into which was very healing and very helpful but it was a temporary goodbye um it was more like a see you later because that's the hope of the believer um, that we have the gift of eternal life Mm. So good. So mm-hmm. what things have been most helpful in your healing process? Yeah, touched on briefly the writing this completion letter. I'm an avid reader. So many, many books of others who have gone before in this in this journey, whether it's loss of a loved one via death or suicide or what have you, those books were all helpful. Going to grief share mm-hmm. in, in early on, I had gone to divorce care years prior. And it's the same organization that produces the grief share resources. And I was so grateful for that time to, to sit in the space for an hour or two, whatever it was per week, and to know that those people are walking in similar places and they get it. And they're like holding that space with you, you know. And so I was really grateful for that time. But after well over a year, I felt like I was still in a fog of sorts. And, and I was turning to scripture like I always had. That's my go-to, you know. And yet I wasn't feeling able to move forward. And I know grief is a journey and it's different for everyone. But I was feeling just, I woke up one morning and felt like, you know what? I think I do want to talk to someone about this besides friends and family, you know, your support, people who who are there for you. And I've, I've been one that's so like turn has turned to the wonderful counselor, our wonderful counselor, capital W, capital C. Um, but I felt like, you know, Lord, maybe you would have a grief counselor with a little C that you might speak to me through, you know? So I went and worked through a book called the grief recovery handbook where you're prompted to do a a relationship graph, a loss history graph, etc. So I did that. I did one for my dad and actually one for my (laughs) ex-husband, that relationship as well, because I wondered, could my grief be compounded right now? The grief of loss of dad now sort of also tied to leftover grief from that first marriage. So that was an interesting thing. But in that process, I was able to write this letter and read it to my counselor who held that space for me. And it really helped me to, you know, when a suicide happens, it's a relationship that's emotionally incomplete because you might be going, well, there's things I didn't get to say, you know? And so this letter gave me a chance to say things that I wanted to say to dad. 
and that, and so I think it was all of those things, Athena, that contributed to the Lord's healing work in me. Also, my desiring the Lord's healing. And so throughout that counseling process, I was like, you know, daily just asking the Lord to show me what I need to see, to mm-hmm. reveal whatever he needs to reveal to me, you know, to be able to, you know, not that I won't ever shed a tear again over dad, but, but to be able to move out of this place where I felt I was stuck, you know, and God's one who unsticks us when we need unsticking. <laughs> and it's so good that you had enough self-awareness that you were asking the right questions, praying in a way where, you know, sometimes our knee-jerk reaction is to just numb the pain and not deal with it because it hurts too much, mm-hmm. but that only prolongs and compounds the the emotional trauma, I think, when we just stuff it. So that's really good that how you walked through that and and really we're sensitive to the spirit. Okay. It might be time for some counseling. It might be time, you know, step by step. So yeah. that that's very encouraging. Songwriting, Athena, I have to mention, you know, people have different ways they express themselves. And for me, for many years, it's been through songs. It's part of how I work out my faith, if you will. Right. And so there were songs that flowed out of that that I'm working on in the studio now to record and release. Um, one in particular called Destination Home. You know, because one of the things I had to grapple with Athena was I knew that dad loved me. He loved us. He loved his family fiercely. And even in that phone conversation, he said, you know, Sherry, I am so blessed to have been married to your mother um, all these years. And he was, it. you know, looking back, I see, was this sort of a wrapping up conversation? I don't know. But he wanted to convey to me how important his family was, how important we were to him. And this is so intimate, but Athena, I'll share one of the sweet things that dad did for mom. He wrote the lyrics down in his own hand to an Elvis Presley song, I Can't Help Falling in Love with You. Oh. And that was, so that was his note, you know, his love note to mom. Yeah. It was in his hand and he had set it out on a TV tray for her to see. And that was very intentional. But anyway, I had to grapple with, okay, well, so mom got a little note, sort of a, you know, a, a loving gesture. But there wasn't, I didn't get a note, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I knew dad loved me fiercely. He was so supportive, came to all my piano recitals, all the things. But so in this song lyric, I open up, uh, I say, you left a note for mother, but there was none for me. If I didn't know how much you cared, yes, I'd still be angry. The power of a moment, you just can't take it back. Lord, have mercy for the things we lack. Ooh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the, the chorus lyric is, you know, we're just passing through in a foreign land and our hearts were made for somewhere down the road. So stand fast and strong and keep traveling on till we're on our way to destination home. You know, dad was a traveler and yeah. we talked about our final destination being heaven. And so, you know, aren't we as believers, you know, we're given the gift of life and then we navigate it the best we can, the highs and the lows, and hopefully we grow in those things. We grow in maturity and the faith. We become more useful vessels towards the kingdom of God. And then we go and meet our maker, you know, yeah. and we don't, you know, we don't know the number of our days, but the Lord does. Mm. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we are just about out of time. So I want to say that I'm just super excited that you're part of our upcoming She Writes for Him Stories of Living Hope, which will be coming out in January of 2021, the end of January. So you shared the grief and the loss of your dad taking his life. And so I'm I'm thankful that you were able to share in that way, in that volume, because I think it'll really minister to a lot of women. But in closing, I would love for you to share a tip or a tool to maybe help our listeners remember that really God is working all things together for good, even when we can't see it. Mm. Yeah, there's so many 
so many verses that come to mind, particularly I'm thinking of some quotes, you know, from a book that I read that was on lament, Lamentations 332, though he brings grief, he will show compassion, so great is his unfailing love. And one author um, from a book I read about grieving a suicide, a, a gentleman whose father, I believe it was, had taken his own life. He wrote, grief that has done its work in us will help us experience God's grace more fully. Mm. You know, the scripture says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And even in those really those times where I was just so, as I felt stuck in, in the grief, in my grief, I did feel God's nearness. And I did, I did feel him purposing that he was going to purpose this grief in some way. And so in some ways we can look at, if we look at it through God's hands of grace and his sovereignty, we see that in some ways it's a gift to us because it breaks us in a way that we need breaking sometimes. It humbles us in a way that we need humbling. It has the ability to move us past ourselves Mm -hmm. and on to others. You know, it gives us empathy for others when we ourselves have walked in those hard places. For a listener who is perhaps in that place, I just say, you know, hold on to harvest because God doesn't waste our suffering. He doesn't waste our sorrows. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, expressly because of those sorrows and sufferings, those very things that he will use to advance his kingdom. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So my friend, this has been a delight. If someone's listening today, they want to connect with you on social media or find you online, what is the best way for them to do that? Yes, come to SherryKagey.com or follow me on Facebook. There's the Sherry Kagey fan page. I don't Twitter. I don't tweet that much. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, and there's lots of videos and things, interviews and live performance type videos on YouTube and such. But I am um, excited to be working on some new music after after some time away from the studio. God's, you know, lifted that fog enough for me to go back to work and get about my calling. And that is seems to be expressing myself through music. So I look forward to that. When's that coming out? No, uh, I couldn't tell you, but safe to say 2021, right? Okay. I'm taking it a little, I'm taking this album a little bit slower. I'm just, I'm going about it in a little bit different way. But uh, my working title for the album is What I Know to Be True. Mm. And that's, you that's know? what we need to hold on to, no matter right. what's going on around us, right? It's, yeah, it's what I know to be true. And in the end, you know, it's it's Jesus is the truest one of all. Yeah. And he's who I hang my hat on and he's who I put my hope with. And that is Hebrews 6.19, I think it is, or 9.16. One of those verses that, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. And mm-hmm. so Christ is that anchor for me, you know, and we lose things in life. You know, and I can, the, the tears come up in my eyes right now, even as just I think of the loss of my dad, because it was a significant loss. Um, but I'm a, I know I'm okay in Jesus. So whatever losses you're enduring, you, if you have Jesus, cling to him. He's gotcha. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. It has just been a joy to have you on and share your heart. And I just uh, so appreciate your ministry. Thank you. Yours too, Athena. Bless you. All right, welcome back to the second half of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited for you to meet Linda Joe Reed, Redemption Press author of Mrs. Job's Choice. And before we get into this incredible conversation, you are going to love this. Let me first introduce you to her. Linda Jo Reed is a writer with a mission to glorify God and encourage his people. Her message is that life's battles belong to God 
and he will see us through them when we stand firm. Upheld in the Battle is the title of Linda Joe's first book, in which she illustrates how God promises to keep us safe through trials. In her second and very recent book, Mrs. Job's Choice, A Journey of Encouragement, she shows how God stands by us in our confusion and pain. Now that's a very timely message for what we're all going through in this year, 2020. She has been published in Evangel, The Upper Room, Good News Northwest, anthologies and blogs, and her own blog can be found on her website, lindajoreed.com. She lives in the Pacific Northwest, is grandmother to nine boys, and is owned by two cats. All right, let's roll it. So I have been so looking forward to this conversation. Linda Joe. welcome to the All Things Podcast. It is great to have you on today. Glad to be here. Amen. So before we dive into Mrs. Job's Choice, which I just think is such a brilliant work that really gives us, I think, new eyes for Job's wife which we have been lacking, I think, for, for a long time. And so I just love what you've done to bring her to life and let us see ourselves. Yes. Which Thank you. <laughs> we need to do that. So uh-huh. before we start talking about that, I would love for our listeners to hear, you know, how God has worked a Romans A28 story in your life, because That's our theme here at the All Things Podcast, how God can take even the worst thing and work it together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So let's start there and then we'll jump into the book. Okay. Well, my story starts years ago. I lived in my old house with my husband for 27 years. We raised our children there and he passed away. And I just had a hard time making friends with that house. And I was in the habit of going to Arizona to visit my mom for Christmas. So this particular Christmas, I got on the plane and this just big sigh of relief came out of me. And I'm wondering where in the world did that come from? So I finished my my Christmas vacation with my mom and sort of that in the back of my mind. And when I got home, the plane touched down. It's like this big, heavy blanket dropped over me again. And I thought, it's got to be the house. I got to (laughs) move. So first thing I did was call my kids. And I didn't know if they would object because they grew up there. And both of them, to my surprise, said, go for it. Whoa. Okay. So I did. I called a real estate agent. And we found a lot. And as soon as I saw the lot, I thought, this is it. This is home. Then we started looking at houses, all the houses, and I wanted a new one because I didn't want anybody else's things to kind of have to clear out, you know? So I wanted a new house, and all the houses were vanilla. I mean, the carpet, the walls, the outside, the inside, the appliances, everything was vanilla. And I just thought, this is awful. (laughs) And I knew what those builders could do because some years before that, I had worked for the home builders. And those builders did home shows and I knew what they could do. So this thought came into my head of, well, you can build a house. You know what to do. Oh, I can. So I called a builder that I had known years ago. And I said, well, this is a voice out of your past. Do you want to build me a house? And he said, what? (laughs) And so we did get together and he had a designer. I had my ideas. So we started planning but I had to sell my old house in order to get into the new house, to build the new house. And we got everything ready to go. And it was a realtor tour. The night before the realtor tour, I had a flood in my basement. I had never in 27 years had a flood in my house. But the night before the realtor tour, and this was the time when that big scare of black mold was all over the nation. So I think I got blackballed because I had hardly any activity in my house for several months. And it was getting down to the wire. I can't build the new house without selling the old house. But it finally did happen. Thank goodness. The Lord was good to me. 
and we got into, uh, we got the house built and I got everything I wanted in it. Actually, I did have to sacrifice a few things for my wraparound porch and I'm not sorry at all. I love my porch. I do meet the Lord there and I call it porch time. Mm -hmm. And so this house that I'm in now with my big porch really is a stake in the ground to me of God's faithfulness. And that's my story. Mm, I love that. How, you know, it, it's kind of the dream and then the death of the dream. Yeah. yeah. Direction. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Okay. So let's jump into a conversation about Mrs. Job's choice. So why, okay. why Mrs. Job? Well, I have to admit it started out as a defense of Mrs. Job because I would just get so disgusted. Every time I hear anybody talking, preaching or otherwise about what a wicked woman she was. And I wondered, well, don't people realize what she went through? She lost everything he lost. And for a woman to lose children, oh my gosh. So I started it that way and I realized it wasn't going to go anywhere. And then I started talking to people and I started hearing their stories. I started listening, you know, to their stories. And pretty soon I realized Mrs. Job is really about us. Everything in scripture is written for our instruction and her life was written for our instruction. And so that's uh, where it is. Well, that's a great, I mean, to actually see, you know, because so little was written about her, you know, that can lead us to completely wrong conclusion. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. And so I just love that you took that literary license that, that we can do and say, well, what do you, you know, she probably was feeling like this or, yes. you know, I mean, and having us realize, okay, how would I act if, yes. if this happened to my husband and me? And exactly. So really, really so, so good. So glad that you wrote this and really brought her to life. So thank you. Me too. <laughs> yes. So do we do we shake our fists at God like Mrs. Job did? Well, let me see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she said something terrible. Curse God and die. Well, mm-hmm. most of us don't say that, but we say things like, "What do you think you're doing, God? Why don't you fix it? Don't you see it?" And so I think whatever we say is probably just as bad as what she did. Anytime we're doubting God and his goodness and not trusting him, that's where we're at. And really, it you know, it seems like most of us go through this. Well, why would you let this happen to me? You know, how, yes, yes. You know, it that's like so the wrong question to ask. But that's it kind is. of that same. That's that Mrs. Joe thing. It is of like I shouldn't have to go through anything hard. Yes. So. What's up, God? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So how might we relate to her losses? Okay. Well, consider all she lost. Ten children. I can't imagine losing one. Yeah. Her husband, he's now an invalid. He's no longer respected in the community. He can no longer support her. And what if he dies? Community. A barren woman was outcast. She had 10 children. She had respect. Now she has none. Her home. She lost her home because if he could no longer support them, they couldn't live where they lived. Income. His wealth was gone. And a woman at that time could own a business, but with the loss of community, she'd lose that too. And this is the one that really kind of gets me. There's no social security in those days. So a woman depended on her husband or her children to take care of her in her old age. Now, no children. Her husband was sick and she didn't know if he was going to die or not. She's probably terrified. Mm. I just can't, I cannot even imagine. I can't either. The depth of pain and trauma. I mean, that is like some serious trauma and loss. Yes. We're so flippant to just like, how dare she say curse God and die? I mean, we do that. Yeah. Whenever we're mad at God about our lot in life, we're doing the same thing. We are doing the same thing. 
And I think about all the people who've lost homes in the hurricanes recently and the fires. They can probably relate more than most of us, but that's about as close as we can come, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So in your book, do you show how we might meet our challenges today? Yes. Mrs. Job faced these stages on her journey, loss, anger, repentance, acceptance. She learned to listen. At least I think she learned to listen. And then finally believe and trust God. So in writing this book, I really feel like I've walked on holy ground. Each of these stages is captured in a chapter. And I have interviewed and told the stories of several women at each stage. I have found courage, love, strength, and a greater faith in God because of what the women have endured. I really am honored to have been trusted with their stories. It really well, really did feel like walking on holy ground. Yeah. Well, and what was so cool about it is, you know, when it's a Bible character, we can kind of go, well, you know, they're, they're just so far away and that's so yeah. low. But then to hear those stories of the different women who mm-hmm. went through their own you know, Mrs. Job experience mm-hmm. and how they responded and how they grew from it and how they had to repent or, you know, it was so yes. good to just bring it into present day and yes. let us have a glimpse into other lives that are really not so different from ours. It's just the kind of thing that we don't do very well at talking about and we need mm-hmm. it. We need to more. Right. We do. And that encourages each of us. Yeah. We encourage each other is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So what would you, what would be the cry of your heart that you want people to know? I want people to know that God really is at work all the time, no matter what. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We always say that, but we need to believe it that he really is trustworthy to weave our lives into the fabric of his plan for eternity. And we might need to accept that that plan isn't what we want, but it is what he wants and we're here for him. And in his hands is the safest place to be no matter how it all turns out. Eternity is going to be there. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And, And for us to learn, I mean, really it, I think this life on earth is as we, go through different things and God sanctifies us. It mm-hmm. is all about learning to trust him. He's sovereign. He loves us. He's good. All the and time. Even when we lose, you know, everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, is still, he is still enough. Yes. And he, he is. And he can use it for good, even though we can't even imagine that he could do that. Yes. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Absolutely. So what are some key points that you would like to make? Okay, I would like to say that God is sovereign. We can't see behind the scenes. God allows Satan to buffet Job, but it really was God's challenge and not the adversaries. God equips us to do his will. Trials train us. God is compassionate. He sees our fist shaking and he embraces us anyway. God is always present. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. God has a purpose for us to do his will. That's his will and grow in his image. God is faithful. He plans to celebrate with us when the plan is complete and he's waiting for us. Mm. And I love that trials train us. Yes. That's so we're always so trying to like get out of the trial. Like <laughs> with God, can you just like take this from me? Really? (laughs) If we would just embrace it and say, okay, I want to learn everything you got for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to learn how to be more like Christ through this trial. Boy, he can do so much. He can do so much more when we are willing hearted instead of stubborn and, you know, angry. Agreed. Oh, gosh. So why do you say it was God's challenge to afflict Job? Well, I admit I was surprised when the idea first occurred to me that God is the one who instigated the contest for Job and his wife and not the devil. I've always thought that the devil provoked God into proving that a faithful man was still on earth for him. But that's really not how the scriptures read. The enemy came to court. He did not speak until God 
first spoke to him. Neither could he touch God's man without permission. And it's always God's prerogative to instigate. Even in our lives, it's always God's prerogative. The contest began, only it wasn't Job who cursed God. It was his wife. And I always wondered if the devil considered that some kind of a minor victory. Probably did. Mm -hmm. Probably mm -hmm. did. Yep. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I, haven't even, I haven't even thought of that. And that, you know, anytime we play into his hands mm -hmm. and act in a way that dishonors God. Yes. We are playing into his hands. And, he and we're giving him permission. Happy, happy about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. So what might that say about our response? Well, after Mrs. Job's fist shaking, her husband rebuked her. I think a man of his wisdom and community stature, he was a judge in the, in the city gate after all, very wealthy. Right. He wouldn't have chosen an empty-headed bimbo to be his wife. He would have looked for a woman with substance to be a credit to him and very possibly through this, he was disappointed in her. And maybe he expected her to show the same steadfast faith that he did. But not all of us have instant faith. And some of us must work through all those reactions of grief and guilt and a lot of other emotions before we finally do come to faith. But God knows this about us. And his rebukes are loving and gentle. He gives us the time to process. And I think that was a big one for me. He gives us the time to process. Job was right about accepting both good and adversity from the hand of God. And either way, God will always meet us at our point of need. He brings us confidence. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a big promise. No matter how desperate our situation appears, Hebrews tells us that. And he's always present with hope and love for us. And he'll always be on the other side of our trauma. He's never going to leave us. I can't emphasize that point enough. Mm, I love that. He's always going to be on the other side of our trauma yeah. and he's going to walk with us through it. Yes. So yes. that's powerful. We have to, you know, I mean, we're just, I, I don't know if it's because in America, you know, everything's got to be quick and easy and all of that. I don't know if that's why we don't embrace the suffering that we go through in life that God is going to use to refine us. We want to just get out mm -hmm. of it, get it over with quick. But I love that, that he is at the, on the other side of our trauma. And yes, so good. Yes. I sometimes think we have that easy life that Mrs. Job probably had before the trauma. Right. And we're right. not prepared just like she wasn't prepared. Right. And you know, that kind of life doesn't really refine us it doesn't deepen no. our passion it's like when no. we're on the mountaintop we're not like dropping to our knees no. and being desperate for god we're like we got it all together yes so right wow. so what do you hope mrs job's choice will accomplish i hope it'll be a celebration of life that people will realize that god is with us and even in the dark times, there's still a celebration of life because he is life. I hope that people will see their circumstances differently when they see how some of these women have walked through their traumas, that we all come to the knowledge that we belong to God and not to ourselves. Then at the end of the book of Job, God was very specific in what he returned to Job, more wealth than before and other 10 children, and God even named the girls. And not only that, but he gave the girls inheritances just like their brothers. These were not dowries that their husbands would get. These were inheritances that the girls would control. And there was no mention of a new wife. With all the details, I think God would have told us if Job had been given a new wife. That said, that gives me hope. I have hope that God will stand with me no matter how much I mess up. And through the lessons and the story of Job and his wife, we do have opportunities to celebrate what God is doing. In second and third chances, we can still know he's going to be faithful to us. We can have that confidence and go forward with courage. And then we can reflect him and it gives him glory. Mm. 
I love that. I never, I mean, I've read the book of Job before and I never <laughs> can't realize that. I mean, all that detail, but mm-hmm. no mention of a new wife, which means God did not, you know, it was not over for her because she shook her fist at God and cursed him. Yeah, I think it, so. He was, you know, he redeemed her just like, you know, that's who he is. That's his character. And so yes. that makes total sense that she didn't, she wasn't banished from life <laughs> and from Job's life. No, right. God restored her. Yes. Mm. And he All will right. restore us. Amen. Amen. That mm-hmm. should give us great hope. Yes. Because none of us, none of us have missed being angry with God. We have all <laughs> done that in one way or another, which is that's the truth. <laughs> so we're we're no better than Mrs. Job. No. And, and if he gives her grace, he will give us grace and restore us no matter how bad we mess up. Yes. I love that. Okay. So in closing, I would just love for you to share a tip or a tool that will help our listeners really kind of stay focused on God really is working all things together for good, even though maybe you just can't see it. I think maybe this is probably redundant maybe, but stay in his word every day because there's so much encouragement in there. And David's Psalms, so many times he was running scared and yet he always came back. God is always faithful. And all the way through, there's all the Old Testament stories and then Acts in the New Testament. I think probably being in the Word of God every day is probably the best thing. Mm, Amen. Because you see the faithfulness of God everywhere in there. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. Hello. Second chances are always possible. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Okay. So if we have some ladies listening today who want to connect with you online, where's the best place for them to find you? Well, let's see. I'm on Facebook and I have a website. That's www.lindajoreed.com. Just my name. Easy. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It was an absolute delight to have you on and just hear more of the backstory of this incredible book. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Athena. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So, hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would, consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media. And if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would love it if you would take a minute to do that as it would help other people find the show and also let them know that it's a show worth listening to. So thanks so much for joining us today and I will see you next week. Bye for now.